It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hoping to bring a little sunshine into your Saturday morning. Thank you for tuning in live to Green and Growing here on 95.5 WSB. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca. For the next two hours, we want to hear from you with your lawn questions, your garden questions, 404-872-0750. And even if you're having a difficult time right now, hoping to just bring some positivity into your life. I know a lot of families are struggling, and the last month has probably been one of the hardest your family will experience. Last month... You all helped WSB raise $105,000 for the Atlanta Community Food Bank. That's 419,000 meals for Atlanta area families, and they are so appreciative of all of that help. That's a great charity to support year-round. Here is my special celebrity gardener who I was so fortunate to talk to who is someone that's making big strides to help families throughout the country. I really have a special man joining me this morning who has a very important cause to share with all of us, and we'll get to the gardening questions at the end. I'm joined by baseball Hall of Famer and former shortstop of the Baltimore Orioles, Cal Ripken Jr. So honored to have you on this morning. How are you? Good morning. I was just uh, trying to figure out my questions that I want to ask you about uh, gardening, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about a few things that we're doing besides that. Now, I've never gardened up in the Maryland area, but I can still find you some good advice, Cal. Don't you worry. My dad was the gardener. Um, I helped him uh, put together fertilizer, which is essentially going out and getting cow patties and mixing them with water and some other things and <laughs> pouring them on the uh, garden itself. So that's one um, of the gardening memories you have from childhood. Not exactly the most fragrant, but still a good one. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun uh, throwing the uh, cow patties like Frisbees out there when we were kids. <laughs> well, talk to me a little bit about your dad. We all know that you were fortunate enough to be able to play under his management for the Orioles for a little bit, and he's inspired you to do great works. He obviously led to your inspiration for you know maintaining your position with the team, reaching Lou Gehrig's record and, and beating it of 2,131 consecutive games. You all and your brother, Billy, set up this foundation in his memory, the Cal Ripken Senior Foundation, and that's really why we want you to talk to us today, Cal, about the mission, the strikeout hunger mission that you're now redirecting the foundation to. Tell us about those efforts. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was a great segue, uh, talking about Dad and his gardening, to uh, what Dad meant to us and what we think his life, his legacy was as a uh, as a man. We lost him to lung cancer at the young age of 63, about 20 years ago. And Billy and I started a foundation because we were wanting to capture the legacy of him helping young people. So our small little foundation that we would have been happy to stay regionally has gone national. We've impacted uh, well over a, a million point five last year. We've done some wonderful work, but in this crisis, we were sitting around saying, okay, how can we help now? So we uh, turned our focus temporarily to uh, food security. We uh, partnered with Feed America. We put 100 grand up. But I had the idea uh, to maybe, I always wanted to get on social media, but I was always a little intimidated. And I thought I was a little bit too much of an introvert <laughs> to, uh, to make that work. But I thought it would be a really good cause to go on and make a, a plea to all the people out there that, uh, that wanted to help. And uh, a lot of wonderful people have stepped up, uh, but Feed America is really uh, overjoyed. And it also provides an example for other people to to jump in and other uh, foundations and other companies to jump in for this need. So we've raised the awareness a little bit, and we feel really good that we're we're doing something in this time of crisis. Well, you definitely have made the Twitter sphere a better place with what you're doing. And we at WSB have also worked with the Atlanta Community Food Bank, and they, of course, continue the mission of 
Feeding America as well. But I think it's important for folks to know 37 million people in the entire country struggle with hunger. And the good thing about Feeding America, Cal, when I was doing a little bit of research, I I know their mission, but I wondered how involved farmers were able to get with Feeding America. They rescue up to 3.5 billion pounds of food that otherwise would have gone to waste. And, And that's one of the things about this crisis is that you look at the innovation and you look at the quality of people. People step forward like you wouldn't believe. They come up with ideas. And I I will say, too, many of these areas rely on schools and boys and girls clubs after programs for their uh, food intake. And then when we take that away, then all of a sudden there's a source that just dries up of food and uh, then they have a real big need. So all the things that we're doing, all the things that the farmers are doing is really helping I want you to go ahead and tell our listeners here in Atlanta how they can help your foundation right now. Yeah, the the best way and the easiest way uh, is ripkinfoundation.org. But there's all information on uh, at Cal Ripken Jr. on Twitter. Um, it's all over the place, and it'll direct you there. We just want your help, and uh, that that's that's what we're trying to do. You know, with our foundation. You said you were inspired to join social media, and now look at what good has come of that. But when you broke the record back in 1995, I was watching. I stayed up late, ESPN. I recorded the game on a VHS tape for crying out loud. When you All broke right. Lou Gehrig's record there at Camden Yards, that and making the big decision of redirecting the foundation in honor of your father too. What motivates you? Usually, I get all the credit, and thank you for giving it to me. <laughs> but uh, we, we've developed a really fantastic board of directors uh, for our foundation. They're very active. They are very giving. But our uh, executive director of our foundation was his idea initially. Steve just said, you know, why don't we uh, temporarily shift our focus to, to areas of need now? Yeah, you all rallying around the same cause. So that's that's fantastic that you're all on the same page, helping so many people, not only in the New England area, but like you said, this is nationwide. This is getting nationwide attention. We were ready to celebrate our 100th field this year, and I think it's still under construction, although that's slowed a bit. They're all turf. They roughly cost about a million dollars a pop. Wow. You know, and they're all over the country, and, and now... Five years later, we're uh, we're looking to, uh, I guess it's about seven years now, um, we're looking to uh, celebrate our 100th field. So uh, we couldn't be more proud of, of our group. You should be. That's huge. And you mentioned the importance of giving kids an avenue to redirect some positive energy, positive attention. And I liked what you said, getting them outside, too. I feel that that's so important. I read The Only Way I Know How, your book, back, back in the yeah. early 2000s. And your childhood, you do have really fond memories of your childhood, but give me one or two of the most impressionable of you spending time outdoors. So my dad used the garden a little bit like a, um, he uses a baseball field, where sometimes, you know, he's teaching you things about baseball, and sometimes he's teaching you things about gardening. But many times he's talking to you about life while you're on your knees pulling weeds. There, there's a peaceful time. I remember uh, I was going through a stage when I was in high school where uh, my curfew was uh, earlier than everybody else's curfew, <laughs> and I was embarrassed that I couldn't stay out. And so, so periodically, and more than periodically, I think I broke the curfews. <laughs> and so, uh, and then I would come in. At my mom, my mom, and my dad, um, when he was home, would be worried a little bit, and uh, I would get in. I don't know, two o'clock in the morning. And my dad would come down like at seven o'clock in the morning, tap me on the uh, on the knee, and said, "I need your help." <laughs> so he knew I I got in late. Yep. And so I'd drag myself out of bed and get get a quick bite to eat. And we're in the garden doing uh, different tasks, pulling rocks out, uh, weeding, whatever else. And then he'll finally say something like, uh, "Got in a little late last night, didn't you?" <laughs> <laughs> And then, he'll, he'll, and then sometimes they'll look at me and he'll go, was it worth it? And I go, no. Never. <laughs> <laughs> 
But so, uh, doing those tasks begrudgingly as a child does teach you life lessons and hopefully shows you an appreciation, even decades later, about gardening and the value of it. Here, here's my complaint about my dad in some ways. He was very enterprising. For example, when you're putting mulch around the, uh, the garden or mulch around your landscaping and you're working out back, uh, my dad didn't have a wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. We'd have uh, my dad didn't have a pickup truck, so he had a trailer that he hooked up to the back of an Electra 225. Wow! Went, went and pil- picked mulch up. We had to scrape it out of the back of a wood trailer and then distribute it all around the yard. Now we had a bunch of wagons from when we were kids that my dad knew how to weld, so he reinforced the wagons <laughs> <laughs> so so it could carry stuff. So just think about that and uh, edging a driveway that goes up the thing. He gave us two nails, a string, and a hatchet. That's that's how you did it. Yep, that's how we did it. Oh, geez. Uh, so so it was really good that he taught us those things because there's there's more than one way to do something, mm-hmm. and uh, Dad was always figuring out how to get it done. And he would always, at the end of the day, he would look at it and go, "Look how good that looks. You did that." That's the basis, you know. For a lot of times, you can fill your your chest up with air. You can feel good about something. You can take pride in it. And those are stepping stones to uh, to accomplishments in life. And so, uh, so I have a lot of fond memories about working outside, um, getting your hands dirty. Like when Dad used to rake up clippings, he would always use the rake, and then uh, we would pick it up, and then he'd always rake a little bit more, and there'd be more there. And I go, Dad, you know, we already got it. And he goes, Nope, it's still there. Did, did and he'd he always say, Use your fingers as like the, the like a rake did he compost the clippings or did y'all throw them away oh no no we did composting too oh my gosh that's fantastic all, i'm into that all the grass clippings up in the top they were piled high and then we put the lime over it and leaves or whatever else we could to have it was a really fertile soil and my dad had bet. the best t- tasting tomatoes i've never been able to duplicate um, growing tomatoes like he did joined by cal ripkin jr baseball hall of famer and i also want to mention author and speaker. Now imagine that you've got a speaking engagement to a room full of gardeners. I know you've spoken to so many different classes of people and groups of people. So gardeners are the passionate and curious and kind people. Give them some encouragement because this show focuses in on (laughs) new gardeners, people that are maybe intimidated by it and don't know the ropes. What encouragement would you give them? You know, my dad loved his garden. And uh, one time a groundhog got into his garden and he was going to put a stop to it. So the way he was going to do it was at 11 o'clock at night, he took a lawn chair, a thermos full of coffee and a shotgun. I love it. And he went outside and sat in there. Now, the groundhog didn't come for the first couple of nights. So he was uh, sleep deprived and a little bit uh, <laughs> moody. So on the third third night, you hear this loud bang around three o'clock in the morning, comes in, drops his coffee cup in and says uh, he won't be eating for my garden anymore. <laughs> Let me remind you. Um, we didn't grow up on a farm. We grew up in a neighborhood <laughs> with, quor- with quarter acre things. So I make a distinction saying, okay, there's good stubborn, there's bad stubborn, and then there's just plain stupid stubborn. <laughs> That's so, fantastic. So- All right, I got one yeah. more gardening thing before I let you go. And this is, this sure. is silly. You got to participate in a silly quiz. We like bird watching, okay? So I'm going to make this easy. There are three teams in Major League Baseball that have birds as their team mascot. So first, we will start with the Oriole. What state yeah. is that the state bird for? You know, I think this is almost like a trick question. <laughs> um, I don't think it's it's uh, Maryland, but um, um, I, I would the obvious thing I would say Maryland. But you, uh, you are correct. You are okay. correct. All right, now the, the blue. So you're easing me into it. Now the blue jay is not the state bird of any of the fifty states, but the blue bird is the state bird for four different states. Name one. Oh, um, Maine. No, give it one more guess. 
<laughs> the blue bird. Mm-hmm. California. Oh, that's a good guess. That's a good guess. We'll go with Nevada and Idaho out west. Ah. And now for the easiest, Cardinal. The Cardinal is the state bird for seven different states, many of which are kind of up by you. So give it a guess. I mean, from the baseball standpoint, the St. Louis Cardinals so Missouri. You know, surprisingly, no, the blue bird Not. is their state bird. How weird is that? That is weird. And the Blue Jay, I was thinking uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, so it could have been Canada. Right. Um, So anyway, uh, Cardinal in and around us up here. And in the Midwest. You could go either way. There's seven different states. Kansas. Yes, Kansas is one. Illinois and Indiana. Those are pretty good. Illinois and Indiana, yep. Well, Cal Ripken Jr., thank you so much for taking the time with us this morning on Green and Growing. This has been a true honor and a true pleasure of mine. I've I've been a huge fan since I was a teenager and still continue to follow what you're doing. And now it's easier. Just follow you on Twitter. Yeah, there you go. Um, it was great to uh, reminisce a little bit. Uh, this, is, uh, this has been a fun interview. Thank you for sharing all those memories about your father. And in fact, just the legacy that he leaves behind and now what you're doing in his memory with the Strikeout Hunger Initiative through the Ripken Foundation. And give Cal a follow on Twitter, too. I want a lot of Georgia and Atlanta folks to represent your following now at Cal Ripken Jr. on Twitter. I hope you continue to have fun with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to have fun with it. My dog, Nash, uh, seems to be the star right now but yeah there are a lot of baseball players that have uh, reached out that's great and we can't wait for the season to start we don't know when that'll be but hopefully major league baseball will come back to us soon we we need it that's for sure we need our sports back mr ripkin thank you for all that you're doing to help people who are struggling nationwide and we're fully behind you okay thank you very much Join 95.5 WSB all day Friday as we say thank you to our healthcare heroes. Give a shout out to your favorite healthcare hero right now using the open mic feature on the WSB radio app. We are stronger together, Atlanta. Welcome back to Green and Growing. I'm Ashley Frasca here. Thank you so much for listening to 95.5 WSB. Got some harried weather coming in later today. You're going to want to be weather aware throughout parts of Metro Atlanta. High of 78, lows in the low 50s, but afternoon thunderstorms possible, mainly north of I-20, and a storm maybe hail and strong winds not out of the question. Tomorrow, all that blows through a mix of sunshine and clouds, breezy and cool, highs around 67 degrees. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Always here to offer you some encouragement and free advice. So some simple things you can be doing in the landscape this weekend or this week. First, begin planting summer blooming bulbs like gladiolas, dahlias, and caladiums for some summer color. Number two, this is one you can work on today or tomorrow. Prune spring flowering shrubs and vines immediately to reshape them. That can include encore azaleas that sometimes you just don't know what to do with or winter jasmine. And number three, fertilize patio patio pots and hanging baskets with high nitrogen like water soluble fertilizer every two weeks to keep them looking good we will be back taking your lawn and garden questions anything about pests birds flowers vegetables anything 404-872-0750 thanks for listening to wsb Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. 
7.36 on a Saturday morning. Sun started to come up. I think it's going to start off a little cloudy today. But welcome to Green and Growing. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca. Heard Monday through Friday on the WSB traffic team on Channel 2 Action News this morning. And, of course, right here on 95.5 WSB. Get to sleep in a little bit on Saturday mornings, just by a couple of hours. And I'm here with you at 6 o'clock, starting at 6 until 9, answering any garden questions you may have. Often bring in great interviews and guests and experts that are able to help us all learn a little bit more about the world around us. And you help us learn, too. So your calls are so important to the show, 404-872-0750. If you miss any parts of the show, it's always a good idea. You can go back and listen to them again. Monday morning, they're uploaded on wsbradio.com. You just click the On Demand section, and you can listen to each of the uh, three hours of the show, each isolated there. On the website, and you can also tune into Green and Growing and listen to it as a podcast on Spotify and on Google Play. So that's really cool. Maybe if you wanted to hear yourself, if you called in with a question or somebody had a very similar problem to yours and you didn't quite catch the answer, that is a good way to get get it back. Hear it again. 404-872-0750. Mac up in Cartersville. Good morning. Thanks for calling the show. Yes, Mac. Uh, I just bought two apple trees and two peach trees. Uh, the little two peach trees already have small peaches on them. I was wondering if I plant them, is it okay to sort of try to prune them a little bit right now before the before the winter, or would that hurt them? I, I don't think that's going to be good for them. Now, I'm just curious. Did you buy them bare root, or are they potted? How did you buy them? They're, they're potted. I bought them from Pike Nursery. I believe they're probably close to probably like they're – year and a half maybe if i had to guess oh okay and how long have you been in possession of them uh like since last thursday oh okay okay it's so gonna not be very long yeah it's gonna be tough um you've probably missed the window like when you plant a brand new tree you have to prune it and train it before all the new growth occurs and that's usually done in right. the fall so you've missed that window so i wouldn't do any pruning now if you do plant make sure you plant properly you know and keep it don't plant too deep so that it gets waterlogged and soaked and all that kind of thing but as we go into the warm months mac it's going to be a little more pressure on you to make sure that it doesn't get heat stressed at all so you've got to keep it watered you know look up on the um extension you know services from the university of georgia look that up to see how much it needs each week how much each of the the peach and the apple trees how much water each week follow the weather patterns that's just going to be so key to keeping it healthy um and that also if you go to extension.uga.edu there's an awesome publication when you go to their publication section type in peach tree or i think apple tree is how i found it but it's pretty similar for peaches as well if you type in apple tree there's awesome diagrams of when you do get started pruning you don't want to do it now but how to do it whether you're tra- okay. pruning you know pruning the the limbs or the main trunk or whatever just to kind of set it the right shape a lot of that pruning that you do first now as it's a new tree is going to be so important. So do that. Plant now, but just really stay on top of the watering and, and baby it, and you should be okay. Okay. And for the apple trees and peach trees, it's not going to hurt them if I plant them too close together, right? I mean, like within, you know, not within like 15 or 16 feet from one another. But, I mean, like if I had peach trees and apple trees, is that going to be, you know, is that going to be okay or no? Yeah, spacing is really important. So go further than you would think. You know, they need, I think, at least at least six feet on each side, if not more. Right. So, yeah, spacing is pretty important. But no, I mean, what the plan that you have for them is just fine. All right, cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, I can't wait to hear back and see what happens. Thanks for checking in, Mac. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Sue. Have a good morning. Thank you so much. 
instead of hanging up on Mac, I just hung up on myself. Ha, that's what that on-off button does. I'll be darned. So, Justin, if you don't mind, we did have someone use the open mic feature on the WSB radio app, and that's a quick way that you can leave your name and a question if you don't want to sit on hold or you're kind of shy. So let's hear from Kay. This is for Ashley with Green and Growing. This is Kay in Kennesaw. What are some good plants, herbs, or vegetables that can grow in container pots out on a balcony of an apartment or a condo? Thanks. That's really a good question, Kay. I'm so glad you're thinking about that. A lot of folks are, too. You know, I don't want to isolate some of our audience in this show by just talking about your lawn and your landscape, assuming that you're on a quarter acre or two acres or you have a farm. Maybe you listen to Middle Georgia. Gardening can be done by everyone. I mean, from house plants in a small, tiny apartment to just your balcony or your patio, there are things that you can do to participate in gardening. So I'm glad Kay asked that question. I recently, just a couple of days ago, got a text message with some awesome photographs from our friend Karen Minton, the retired uh, Channel 2 Action News meteorologist. She was with Channel 2 for, I think, 25, 30 years, long time. Uh, But she is so happy, enjoying retirement, and her townhome as well. And she's always been one to garden on her balcony. So she sent me some great pictures. And I put those up, actually, on the Facebook page. If you go to Facebook, Green and Growing WSB, I shared those yesterday. So there are a lot of things that Karen is habitual about doing. Tomatoes are one. Tomatoes can definitely be done on a patio. With that and bell peppers, too, you could do a pepper plant here and there. But they've got to have at least six hours of sun. So just make sure, you know, what side of the building your patio faces. That's crucial for them. And it's, I think, that much more important that they get the right sun because they're starting with some disadvantages not being in the ground, but a five-gallon bucket is going to be awesome and big enough for a tomato plant. Same with a bell pepper plant, maybe. And having other flowers planted around it just for pollinators to attract pollinators. So it's a good idea to maybe pick up some petunias or marigolds or something else and have those in smaller pots if you've got the room on the balcony. And also something that's even smaller and easier to do are herbs. Having an herb garden, you can do thyme, rosemary, you can do basil. Basil is a really good one. Mint and parsley. Uh, Parsley is a good one to start up now. So, Kay, those are all really wonderful things that you could go ahead and try in a, a, a balcony garden. So thank you so much for the question. 404-872-0750. Nancy in Snellville. Good morning. You're on Green and Growing. Good morning. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Yeah. I have some invasive English ivy. And I've got it on trees, and if I use Roundup on the ivy, on the trees, is it going to hurt the tree? It can. Yes, it can. Roundup, the glyphosate, is soaked up through roots, I believe. I believe that to be true. So be be judicious in how you use it. There may be a better product, um, like a brush killer, that's going to be a little more selective rather than just Roundup that's going to kill everything it comes in contact with. So I'd look into that. And a good start, because Nancy, I'm doing the exact same thing, too, in my yard right now. It's been backbreaking. Like, I literally am removing yeah. English ivy. Yeah, that's overtaken. And we just didn't really do much with it for four or five years. So that was completely our fault and our bad. And now I'm paying for it. But it's backbreaking. But one good start, if you have access to a weed whacker, to do that first and cut off the leaves. And that kind of gives you a little bit of a head start. But the stuff is just so, it perseveres. So if you can get to some of the vines and pull some of the ones that are maybe crawling across the floor and all that kind of thing, or across the ground, that's going to be good. But the brush killer that I use is BioAdvanced. 
And like I said, that's a little more selective if you use something like that. Don't spray it on a windy day. But that might be better. I would start with that instead of Roundup and protect everything else that you've got going around it. Okay, BioAdvance. Yeah, BioAdvance. It used to be Bayer product, and they just renamed the company. And I'm trying to find the active ingredient. I can't remember what the active ingredient is. But it, oh, triclopyr. Yeah, so something with triclopyr is going to be a little more selective on like vines and things like that. So that's probably where I would start. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've been pulling it up, grabbing yes. the roots and getting as much as I can. But it's, as you said, break, back break. Oh, it is. And now is a good time to be thinking about it rather than in the fall. So you're really getting ahead of it, Nancy. Good, good job. Thank you so much for checking in. 404-872-0750. Richard in Kennesaw. Hey, good morning. You're on Green and Growing. Good morning. How are you doing? I am great. How about yourself? Good. I am looking at planting some blueberries and I want to try to make them like a hedge. I don't know how big the different varieties get, but also want to be able to benefit from the fruit. Is this a good time to be planting blueberries? It is. It is. And the great news, they can be grown in the garden. They can be grown in pots on the deck. So they're probably some varieties are going to grow to their allowed size. So if you're looking to do more of a shrub or a hedge with them and they've got the room, they're definitely going to grow. So when you go to look at, you know, the place that you want them, make sure it gets full sun for at least six plus hours. Is that the case? Uh, probably not. Okay, Ooh. I don't. <laughs> yeah. that, was my next, that was my next question. Now, I have seen some grow in the wild, almost like understory, you know, like if there's a, a large pasture, a large open area, and then they're kind of growing underneath other trees, but they're still managing to get that sunlight, I guess, maybe if they're facing the east or something like that. So I have seen them successful in the wild like that, but really six plus hours is what you want. Okay, and my, I have one other question about a peach tree. Mm-hmm. When is the best time to be planting those? You know, we Fall? just we just talked to Mac in Cartersville. You can now, but it's just really more work for you to make sure that you're keeping it watered because all trees and shrubs really adapt better when planting in the fall. That way they've got some time to acclimate and they're not, you know, at risk of heat stress. So you mm-hmm. can do it now. I mean, they're definitely on sale at all the nurseries, and, and Pike Nursery, too, has a great, great selection of peach trees. But kind of get with their folks in the nursery there to make sure that you're going to give it the best start. And you're a little late on, you know, the initial pruning. When you first get a peach tree, it's very important to train it. So kind of talk to them about, since you're a few steps behind, what you can do when you plant it. Okay, I'll wait till the fall on that one. Yeah, I, w- I would, too. And I, and I told Mac, too, when you go to extension.uga.edu, that website brings you to the University of Georgia Extension. And when you go to publications, you just type in, uh, apple tree is how I found it, but I guess if you type peach tree, it'd come up just the same. A diagram of really, if you're dedicated to producing peaches on that over the, the next few years, pruning, the diagram of pruning, it's, it's awesome. It's so simple, I can't even get into it on the radio. But if you really want to be on top of it, I'd follow that as well. Okay, I guess, how long before they bear fruit? Um, it could take two to three years. It yeah. just depends on the variety. And go to Walter's website, too, before you pick one out, WalterReeves.com. He's got a whole list of the best varieties for our area. Most of us are in Zone 7B. Thanks so much, Richard. We're going to take a break and check traffic and weather. We'll be back on 95.5 WSB. Self-isolation never sounded so good. Listen to Atlanta's news and talk on your desktop or laptop. We're streaming live on WSBRadio.com. 
some good tunes to get you up and out of bed on a Saturday morning. 7.53, thank you for waking up to uh, Green and Growing and WSB. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca. And join your questions today and your comments, too. 404 Some great calls. We're going to go right back to them. Good morning to Evelyn in Kennesaw. Thanks for calling. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Doing fine. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you. So I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not a plant person, but I love orchids. And um, a few years ago, I bought a pot of orchids, and it and I think it liked me because it's still alive. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and my question is, um, I didn't know at first that I, that, that 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 I was supposed to repot it right away, so I never did. And I noticed. Um, that I have a new orchid growing out of the pot. You know how the orchid has like two branches? Yeah, are you getting like and a second stem coming up? Yeah, out of one of those branches. So like one, like it's it split at the top. Uh-huh. So, so right at that split, I have like a brand new orchid, like with roots coming out of it. Okay. So I, I mean, I watched the videos on YouTube on how to repot it, but it's, it, it never, it didn't tell me what to do with that roots on the top. Yeah, the roots that are coming up, up out of the bark mix are, you know, looking for air, and that's that's very common with orchids as well. But there are some that you've got to cut away, not new roots by any means, but when they start to grow up out of the pot that crazy then that does mean it needs to be repotted. So what you're going to want to do, Evelyn, get a pot that's about only like an inch larger than what it's already in, and you're going to want to have soaked the roots first. That way, when you're handling it a lot, those roots aren't going to, the air roots aren't going to snap or break. So have soaked that maybe the day before or whatever when you go to do it. You know, carefully tap it on its side, get it out of there. And don't do it when it's flowering, though. That's going to put a lot of stress on it. Like mine's beautiful right now. It's had flowers on it for over a month. So wait till it's not. That's going to be a little less stress. And then what you need for some of those roots, too, are just like a gentle easy pair of scissors or a razor blade or something like that and make sure it's clean the pot you're the new pot you're putting it into is clean and the scissors and the razor blade anything you use to have to cut roots is clean too because they're pretty susceptible to bacteria you don't want to go through all this trouble and then just have infected the orchid so carefully use that to separate everything out if you need to if, if i'm understanding you right the two are growing now and there. separate them out really easily and then make sure to buy a brand new bark mix, you know, not a bag that you've had open. It's been exposed to pathogens or anything for any mix of time or any amount of time in the garage. But new bark mix, that's really important for all that air to get through that mix and the soil's not compacted. And this is going to be the tricky part, though. Wait a full week or two before watering it again. Once you've got it settled in the new pot, that break stimulates root growth and its new environment. And that's kind of what it needs to get going. So hopefully you'll be able to kind of separate out the two, but now's not the time to do it. Some people don't even repot their orchids, so it's not going to harm it if you're waiting just a little bit longer to do that. Thank you so much for the call, Evelyn. we got to get out of here, but coming up, we have Margaret and John's Creek, a hydrangea that's not blooming. There could be a number of reasons for that. Sally and Fairburn, a problem with poison ivy. You and me both, girl, definitely want to get rid of that. And Julie in Jessup, Georgia, wants to plant a tomato but in a pot with no drainage. So want to get to the bottom of why that is. And your calls to 404-872-0750. You're listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. 
That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.